or a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, you and I are going to have a good time. Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We're here for the ride here today. We're here for the ride, friends. You're going to have to get off your high horse, and uh, we're going to uh, have a real ride here with a horsewoman as we... Take a journey into our lives and see what God might have to say to us through the matter of a horse ride. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. I'm sure you heard a bit of the comments that I was making to our guest uh, just before we actually went formally live on the air. And so we're going to have a informal conversation here today with our special guest, Lisa Boucher. Uh, She has written an interesting book called Pray, Trust, and Ride, Lessons on Surrender from a Cowgirl and a King. And she's joining us from Ohio. She says that her husband is a lawyer, and so she was fascinated by my background as a lawyer, having heard the voice of the Lord, left the uh, practice of law, to uh, get on another horse, shall we say, and uh, ride trusting fully in the Lord as we pressed on toward the uh, second coming of Jesus Christ. Lisa, it's good to have you on the program. Thank you very much for having me, Chuck. I'm happy to be here. What kind of law does your husband practice? He's a civil litigation lawyer. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Well, that's exactly what I did. And... uh, uh, 20 years, 20 years as a uh, civil trial lawyer, handling a great many different kinds of cases, helped, allowed me to see the life of real people, particularly 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ. And what I saw was that there was very little difference between them and the world. Uh, I saw that they had terrible uh, anxieties, fears. Uh, they had family problems. They had all kinds of uh, situations that uh, arose, and uh, because of the anxiety and so on, they felt like they were completely out of control, came to a Christian lawyer to tell them exactly how to get back in control, and it didn't quite work that way. Interesting. Yeah. Lack of power is our dilemma, right? That's true. And you have have some fantastic insights uh, in your book, that really get my attention, and uh, so because of that, uh, I chose to uh, to bring you on the program here to talk about uh, a particular horseback ride that you said would emerge into a metaphor for life and for letting go. But before you get into your particular ride, I had one too, and uh, I remember... I had not uh, ridden a horse before, and we were out on, uh, as I recall, some sort of a little vacation thing. And uh, so we decided to uh, spend a little money and, uh, and and go horseback riding. 
So I got on this horse, and it proceeded to lead me toward a ditch. And uh, in that ditch, he turned around and began to back down into the ditch. And I was beside myself as to what to do. I had absolutely no control. We were going nowhere fast. In fact, we were going backwards. And I thought, this is not the kind of life I want to live. I don't want to be going backwards. I want to be going forwards. And I want to have some measure of control uh, so that I can feel safe. But I didn't feel safe, and it's one of the most uh, memorable experiences that I have about horses, yet I still love horses. Why do you love horses? I love horses because I think I was saved by a horse, Chuck, and I'll just delve into that a little bit. But I had to, uh, my mother was an alcoholic, and my father was a rageaholic, I say. And oh, so boy. at some point, they got me a horse, and that saved me. Um, I'm in recovery. I've been sober 33 years. So... That horse was instrumental, and I've always said that I think I would have fallen into my addiction way sooner had I not had that horse, like in my teens. But um, I quit drinking at a very young age, too, in my late 20s, by the way. But um, So I love horses because I really, I was saved by my horse, and I saved my horse. My first horse, not my first horse, but the one that I owned, and actually we won a few ribbons together, they had written him off as completely damaged goods. And mm. for whatever reason, I fell in love with this horse that wouldn't even let you put the saddle on its back. He had a big gash in his tongue. He had been abused and misused, but he was young, and he was a sturdy, beautiful Palomino quarter horse. Now, wait a minute. You just, I- mentioned, you just mentioned a word that gets my attention, because from the age of 10, I always loved Palominos. Oh, they're awesome. Aren't they beautiful? Oh, the yeah. gold color. By the and... way, for our listeners' sake, I don't own a horse. <laughs> I just love horses. So uh, I love the Lord more, but I do love horses, and uh, the Bible is full of them. So we're going to see you say that horses are a metaphor for life. And isn't it interesting? They say, you know, they talk about their comfort dogs. Uh, what, what's the term that they use? Um, companion dogs. Yeah, the, not just that, but they're, that they're there to. Anxiety uh, companion. Yeah, there you go. Well, what I have learned is that there are whole, uh, shall we say, many ranches that are dedicated to rescuing not just horses, but people. People horses, using yeah. horses. Well, equine therapy is is huge and I, I do I think it's better than a dog. It's it's you know a lot harder to care for and whatnot. But there is something very spiritual about horses and once you gain their trust, like I did with that horse that was so damaged, we became best friends and I tell my husband, I said, I'm sorry honey, I love you, but I think the greatest love of my life outside of God, of course, like you said, was my horse. I mean, I had the most beautiful relationship with him. There was complete trust on both sides, and I could get him to do whatever I wanted him to do. But somebody else got on his back, and they could barely ride him. He just wouldn't go, or he'd act (laughs) up and pull stunts, like you mentioned, go backwards when they want him to go forward. He And he really did not like men. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. You mean he was biased? He was. He was. He was. <laughs> well, you say in your book that we struggle because we hang on too tight to the reins in our life. And it's only in surrender that we're going to find peace. We have to let go. And that's the metaphor 
That's the overarching metaphor in your book. And I think it comes at a very timely uh, moment in our lives because things are increasingly intense. Anxiety is high. In fact, Jesus himself said in these times, just immediately preceding his second coming, that men's hearts would fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. So I believe that you have, in a very interesting way, presented us today with a, a direction for hope, for letting go, letting God. We have that phrase, let go and let God, but we really don't know what it means. So today you're going to help translate that through the metaphor of a horse. And friends, I want to make this uh, small book available to you because I think it's going to encourage a great many people today. You don't have to love horses to get it. Pray, trust, and ride. Lessons on surrender from a cowgirl and a king. $15 is going to put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. We'll be right back to Pray, Trust, and Ride. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Our guest today says that people are plagued by anxiety, depression, and fear, and that resides at the bottom. What resides at the bottom of that pleasure, uh, that is that the depression and fear, is the desire for control. We're afraid of what can happen if we don't get our way, if things don't go the way we want. But, she says, it's only when we let go, when we relinquish self-will, that our struggles with anxiety, depression, and other emotional maladies will cease to torment us. So she says, through her book, Pray, Trust, Ride, encourages us to stay in the saddle and ride through life with a loose rein. And God doesn't want you to run on the loose, but he does want you to run on a different rein, he wants you to run on his reign and not yours. So our special guest today, Lisa Boucher, with her book, Pray, Trust, uh, and Ride. Lisa, you say that there was a particular ride that uh, you took, I think you were about 15 years of age, is that right? That's right. Okay. Yes. Tell us about that wild ride. So I had an idyllic place to ride, miles and miles, and I was coming back from... At the trail, and there was a thunderstorm that was just vicious. It wasn't a normal thunderstorm. This is just the rain was coming down in sheets, and I was literally blinded. And so, not exactly, a, not exactly an ideal time to be riding a horse. No, not at all. And and Sam, my horse, I mean, with that thunder was just so loud, and I could tell he was getting very uneasy about the situation. So. I made a decision, and I, I said, I cannot see. I know 
this horse will get us back to the barn because he and I rode this trail many, many times. Mm-hmm. And I literally had to hunker down and I held my thumb so that I, the reins weren't dropping, but I gave him his head and just let him and gave him a squeeze and just hunkered down because, you know, the trails change with weather, branches fall, trees. So you really never know what you're going to get in nature. Mm-hmm. And I had to just trust, though, that he was going to find his way because I couldn't see. And so that memory came back to me. Wait about, a minute. That sounds like a lot of people out there. No, no, no. There was nobody out there. there no, I'm, I'm saying it sounds like there are a lot of people out there that are listening right now. Oh, okay. A lot of people out there in our world uh, they can't see the uh, pressures. Right. The rain is coming down so right. hard, and uh, right. they're blinded and uh, frantic. Yeah, exactly, because we always want to plan outcomes, and that's what causes the anxiety and the stress. And so we've got to give these things to God. And in the prayer of Jehoshaphat, I love that he, he's the king that I'm talking about. But it, the last line of the prayer of Jehoshaphat found in 2 Chronicles is, in your hand is power and might, and no one can withstand you. And I relate that to, like, the weather. Look what happened in Florida. Look what, you know, when Mother Nature, it's just we cannot fight against it, just like we cannot fight against God's will. Well, and wait I a minute. We Twitter. Wait a minute. We're told that a, an entire political party thinks that we can control the climate. And uh, yes, now yeah. they're saying that we can prevent the sun from sending its heat to us. So we'll just just reflect it back to the sun. Do you think we have a massive environment, uh, environmental anxiety here? I think there are people trying to play God, and they need to get their hands off of God's business. Mm. <laughs> All right. So That's you got right. back. You got back to the barn. A six mile ride. You had to let go and let your horse take you through over hill, over dale, and through the not-so-dusty trail. Exactly, exactly. And that is the metaphor for for letting go and letting God take the reins. I mean, we can do the footwork. My job was to stay in the saddle. Mm -hmm. My job was to do the best I can not to make it harder for the horse by flopping all over the saddle, so I hunkered down and rode tight. And so that's what life, we, we have to do our part. We have to show up. We all, I'm sure people have heard of the prayer, like St. Francis says, you want a garden, you got to pick up the hoe. You know, you pray, you hoe, and then God will provide. Mm-hmm. But we have to do our part. But we, sure. the part that we, I think people like to do is micromanage outcomes, situation, or project how how they think people are going to react or they go in lanes that really aren't their lanes and they're trying to micromanage things and people that really aren't their business anyway um well let's let's make a let's make an even let's make an even larger uh special uh spiritual application here we deal a lot with uh the end of the age and times and so on here in the program we see so many things developing but there are an awful lot of people that feel compelled to know exactly when jesus is going to return and so they're fretting about it they're fuming about it they're in tremendous anxiety about it when jesus tells us what he wants us to do but we want to know what we can't know 
And it's almost a, it's an amazing conundrum of human life that rather than resting in the Lord and trusting him with what he tells us that we can do, we want to do what he's doing. And now we fall into fretting, anxiety, fear, and torment. Exactly. And I believe it says, I'm certainly no Bible scholar, and I'm not going to pretend to be one, but I know it says somewhere in the Bible, no one knows the day or the time well, they, of when Jesus will return. But we should know the season, the general season, uh, but in terms of the day and the time or the hour, absolutely not. So to try to figure that out is an exercise in futility. What we try to do on this program is encourage people to live according to what God wants us to do and to be. Then rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Right. If we're living well, we don't need to fear when he's coming because we're ready. Exactly. So people get ready. Jesus is coming. Let go of the reins and let God do what he does Let's be about doing what he wants us to do and to be. Amen? Amen. All right. That's it. We have to use our God-given intelligence, you say, to make the best decisions, and then we have to leave the results to God. Now, tell us about this fellow Jehoshaphat. Uh, People have joked about Jehoshaphat, jumping Jehoshaphat, and so on. But actually, he is one of my favorite kings in the Old Testament. He was a good guy. He was a righteous man. But he did have his earthly uh, problems, occasionally not actually trusting God in what God wanted him to do. And one of those, he got caught terribly frightened when armies were coming upon him and uh, Judah. And he said, I don't know what to do, Lord. Tell us about it. Well, he didn't have a, a battle plan. He had a prayer plan. And I thought, you know, imagine the people back then, looking to their king for a solution, and he's like, well, I don't really know what to tell you. Here's all these armies encroaching on the people of Judah, and he tells them, here's my plan. We're going to pray. That was his, his you know, I, I say he didn't have a, a, a battle plan, but he had a prayer plan. Well, the scripture so says that all, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. That's right. And they fasted, and they prayed, and they were fine. Those other armies were defeated. And they went on their merry way, more or less. So here again, when it, you know, God is the God of impossibles. And so this looked like an impossible situation. And I think of the book of Exodus, again, another impossible situation. And then he parts the Red Sea so they can escape. So we can't really second guess how God is going to work in our lives and just trust that he will if we are doing our part and doing the best that we can and living the best lives that we can and honoring God. And and I feel like the way you were, you know, you went from a lawyer to now you're, you're working for the Lord. And I'm kind of feeling the same way that I think he wants all of us to raise our collective voices more because the world has gotten so secular. And I think God is saying, where are my children that are going to start glorifying me? And so that's what, I felt that I needed to find, you know, when I stumbled over that prayer, I was just like, how did I not know this before? Because, like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar. I have read it. 
I took one year one time and I said, I'm going to read the Bible because I do not want to ever go to heaven and meet God and say, I didn't read it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds to me like you know more about it than than, uh, you want to let on. And uh, I appreciate what you've done here. Uh, Using uh, wedding this account of Jehoshaphat to your experiences with uh, uh, horse riding. And indeed, the more you try to grab a hold of the reins, the more resistance you're going to get from the horse, right? That is true. They don't want to be, um, here again, they don't like to be micromanaged. You don't need to be heavy on their mouth. You know, you have to, I had many situations on the trip when I'd go on these cattle drives, and when we were going down a very steep incline, well, actually, I didn't want to go. The cowboys are on the other side of the river. There's a raging river, and there's a steep downslope and then up. And I'm on the other side, and they're yelling at me across the river, Lisa, come on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. And they're like, you have to. Like, they're moving on. We're moving cattle. We're on. It wasn't a dude ranch. And so here again, I kind of, I had to lean back. Press hard into the stirrups so I don't flop over the horse as we're going down this very steep. And I just let let go of the reins. I let the horse. It's like I'm not going to fight his mouth. So he's fighting me while he's trying to get down this steep incline. And then we have to go through this raging river and up at another steep bank coming up. So he needed all his resources mm-hmm. to do this task. And this horse. They're used to the mountains. I mean, like I said, I've been riding since I've been five years old. Wow. But the terrain in Ohio is very different from Mm -hmm. the terrain in the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming. Wow. And so I was not really prepared for some of the challenges of mountain riding. And that's where I had to trust this horse that he doesn't have a death wish. They're quarter horses. They're very sure-footed. And like I said, I know how to ride. So I knew... I need to let go and let this horse do what he needs to do to get us out of this situation. And then I can take back the reins a little bit. Well, um, there are so many so many applications that come to my mind uh, as you're talking here. First of all, the name of this program is Viewpoint. And we say regularly, Viewpoint determines destiny. Well, our viewpoint concerning circumstances is determining our destiny. So you had to adjust your viewpoint with regard to your responsibility and the horse's responsibility amid the seemingly very difficult terrain. S- for some reason, we have this idea that our viewpoint on a given set of circumstances is absolute truth. And if we believe that, then God is not going to get, be able to get a word in edgewise. And In order for us to function under God, he's going to have to use a very tight rein on us. Otherwise, we're going to go wild. We'll become a wild horse. And I think that's a a large part of the problem uh, in the body of Christ today. It's made up of a lot of wild horses that don't want to do God's will. And he can't let us have the rein because, well, we're just not going to follow uh, the, the patterns that he has instilled in us. I think I know for in my own life, I, when I had, you know, my relationship with God has changed dramatically over the years as we grow. And like I said, as I, when I got sober and 
things just changed. But I do know, I, I was raised Catholic, so I used to make lists for God, like Santa Claus lists. <laughs> and okay. nothing ever came true. You know, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. And I found myself getting frustrated and angry at God. And that's that immature child. And then as you grow, as I began to grow as a Christian, you realize, okay, well, no, God is not going to fulfill these Santa Claus lists. I need to align my will with him because it's not Lisa's show, it's God's show. So I need to like align my will. And that's where a lot of the frustration and angst comes from. And I think with a lot of people, we want what we want. That is human nature. And it is very difficult sometimes to let go of those things that we want or that we think are best for us and accept that God may have a very, very different plan. Absolutely. I mean, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. So... If we really want our lives to be guided by the Lord, we've got to get off our high horse, so to speak, and let him carry the reins rather than us trying to rein him in. The book, friends, Pray, Trust, and Ride. Lessons on surrender from a cowgirl and a king. $15 on our website, saveus.org. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section. God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A Letter to Pastors, The Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Are you battling with anything in your life, situations, circumstances, people, and so on, that uh, are very troubling, and you don't have any control? On the other hand, you're deeply uh, moved and, uh, in fact, in many respects, being controlled by those situations that you can't really do anything about. So how are you handling it? Are you just going to continue to be troubled in the spirit of your mind? How should we respond? Our guest today, Lisa Boucher, says, what if we stop battling people in situations? What if we stopped attempting to manipulate outcomes? What if, instead of struggling, we changed our thoughts and practiced faith-filled actions? We could pray, hand the matter over to God, and let him figure it out. And be still, and know that he is God. Great words, Lisa. Love it. But that's not the way we humans tend to uh, function, even as Christians, is it? Well, I don't think it's the default button. I know for me, (laughs) it's not the, I don't go right there always. But as I practice it more and more, I do get better at 
staying mm-hmm. in angst less and less. I did notice that, you know, maybe years ago, it, it would take me weeks to realize, okay, I need to give this to God. And now it's just days or hours because I'm tired of, I don't want to feel that strife and that angst. And mm-hmm. I think we all know when we're trying to push the river, I like to say, and it's usually the things with, you know, I'm a mom. And so with my sons, I have twin boys that are grown men now and they have their own lives. But there's things, you know, with now I have daughter-in-laws and you sometimes <laughs> want to get in there and you got to get, get out of their business. Things like that. That's like, a mama talking, huh? God. That's right. And I need God a lot to rein me in because. Well, you're um, praying I for him pretty- to rein them in, though. Well, I, I don't know. I think he needs to rain my mouth in because I, I like to say what I want to say. And ah. It's different. You know, you can't always do that, especially now that they're grown and they're. <laughs> so it's just a different dynamic yeah. that you have to adjust to. It's like I feel like life is one big adjustment. We're constantly having to readjust our sales with different people, with different situations. So how do you things. trust God, though, Lisa, when. There are situations that come up that are serious. They're not just, uh, you know, well, it's okay here, it's okay that, it's no big deal. But, no, there are things that are absolutely serious in our there lives with our children, things. with our grandchildren, and so on. We've got ten grandchildren. And, right. uh, you know, every one of them is very different. Uh, they have their own heads, shall we say. Uh, some of them are resisting God's reign. Uh, well, <laughs> and yeah, they're struggling. I mean, we we have that experience. Understand. It's hard to watch. It's painful to watch. It is. I mean, we can, it is. It, it's terribly painful. And I think that is the hardest line to toggle when it's your kids or grandkids. Like you said, you, you want to. I, I can tell you this, though, from years of working with people in addiction, a lot of times people just do not change until they're in enough pain of their own. Mm. And sometimes we have to let them feel that pain and feel their consequences. Because if they don't feel their consequences, there's very little motive for change. But then there's that fine line of keeping them safe. Let's say if you have a, a teenager or something. So, you know, each situation is very different. It can get really complicated but I think we have to always invite God in and ask him for direction and pray for these people. And here again, we do the best we can, but forcing our will on another human being rarely works to initiate any sort of lasting change. Yeah. You know, um, one of the Lord has put on my wife uh, a special word for the past several years that she feels is right at the heart of what God is really looking for, and that is the word surrender. I surrender all. We used to sing that song. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. Well, they're nice words to sing, and it's a good tune, but to surrender, which means to give God the reign in your life, uh, that isn't necessarily so easy because it involves our will to let go, doesn't it? Well, it does. I have a great example for you, Ted. I know in, I've been married now almost 
I don't know, 85. So it's been a good long while, 37 years or whatever. Um, but we had a period in our marriage that was heading toward disasterville. Mm. And I remember a moment of surrender in my kitchen. And I said to God, because I, I really didn't want to do counseling. I was just done with all of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to God, if you want this marriage to work, you're going to have to fix it. And I felt this weight come off of my shoulder because I really surrendered. And here's what I did. I was in school at the time, in nursing school. So Mm. I continued in nursing school. I continued raising my sons, and I continued on, you know, with my marriage, as strange as it was. I just didn't force it. And honestly, my husband and I would still look at each other and go, it was miraculous. (laughs) How it all fell into place. Uh And just over time, everything just settled down and worked itself out without us doing a whole lot of intervention. And I think it was that surrendering instead of, like, fearing that it was not going to work. I, I, you have to get to this place and surrender. You have to get to a place where you don't fear, let's say you're in a marriage, where you don't fear being alone, where you don't fear... Um, I know parents with their children in addiction when their biggest fear is their kid's going to die. And so a lot of times they enable, 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 assisting in the demise of their kid unwittingly, not realizing that's what they're doing. But when they can finally surrender and tell that child, I love you, but I can no longer tolerate this behavior in our home, especially when they're grown children, living with parents, causing all kind of havoc, you have to put them out and surrender their lives to God. They may or may not make it, but at least you can have peace. And so these are the hard things, you know, that we're faced with in our lives that I would say the things that really matter in life, we have no control over. Sickness, death, health, things, you know, accidents that can happen, things that we just have no control over. The weather, you know, the tornadoes, the big things that can really shake up our lives. We don't have any control over it anyway. And when you really sit back and think about it, you get to choose what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, and how you're going to respond. You know, we've all heard that. We can choose our attitudes. We can choose our response. But we don't really get to choose the big things that matter. So why not surrender and trust God? And when bad things happen, lean on him more. And, you know, like they say, if it's, doesn't work out the way we want, he'll give us the strength to get through it. Trusting God allows you to save your energy for the people and things that matter. You'll free up vast amounts of mental, emotional, and creative capital that you can direct to other people or things that interest you. Once you experience the freedom of detachment, a whole new interior life unfolds. Mm. Okay. Rattlesnakes in the meadow. You think there's snakes in your life as you're on your your ride out there? I don't like snakes. I I don't like them at all. Uh, If there's anything I would be afraid of, it's snakes. Uh, But horses and snakes don't get along very well, do they? Well, the horses did not seem to mind these prairie rattlers that were all over the place out there in this one ride in Wyoming. So I, I guess they must get along because when they put these horses out to pasture, they, they're not stabling them, and then in the winter time they leave them out for months. The horses, 
So I imagine they have found a way to live with these rattlers, or the rattlers realize the horse is going to step on it and kill it, and they steer clear. I don't really know how that works, but I know we were on a ride, and I was obsessed with the snakes as well, Chuck, because I'm terrified of them. And all I could focus on were these prairie rattlers darting out of the path, and then when we quieted the horses, there were four of us riding on this particular ride, you could hear the rattles. And I thought, oh, my mm. gosh, uh, you know, if I fall off, I'm going to get these, they're poisonous, these rattlesnakes, of course. And it, I'm going along, and then there was that little meadow lark, and it just brought me right out. It's on this sagebrush, and it's singing this beautiful, sweet song. And I said, my goodness, isn't that what we do in life? We focus on the one negative. <laughs> Pardon me. Mm. I'm trying to get over this. Um, but we focus on, I was missing the beautiful scenery. I was mm-hmm. missing so much focused on the snake. <laughs> and I didn't want it when I decided to switch my focus and the, and pay attention to the bird and the blue sky and the beautiful scenery. I realized how irrational my fear was because, like I said, I've been riding since I've been five. I'm probably not going to fall off. The horse was not bothered by the snakes. And the only person bothered by the snakes was me because I knew they were there and I didn't like it. And I wanted them to go away. And this was their home. They weren't going to to leave. So I had to make peace with stay in the saddle, ride it out, and quit worrying about the snakes. And the rest of the three-hour ride was fabulous. All right, but the problem is that uh, there are snakes out there. And we're not talking about actual uh, rattlesnakes or uh, coral snakes water moccasins at the moment, we're talking about all kinds of other snakes. Uh, for instance, a lot of people think that Washington, D.C. is full of snakes. Well, and uh, yeah, But it's a different kind of snake. Uh, Satan is uh, related as a serpent. And so uh, there's something about uh, the evil that is present in our, our lives, our society, and uh, you feel like as you're riding along, uh, on your uh, your the horse of life, so to speak, that you're going to fall off, and uh, all of this stuff is going to uh, overpower, and it becomes uh, terrifying and paralyzing, doesn't it? Well, I think in many ways we are seeing the evil in this world, and it is getting a little terrifying um, with the what's going on with how they want to indoctrinate our kids and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. It's just absolutely. But I do know if we stay close to God, I think he gives us that discernment. And we can avoid a lot of the pitfalls with discernment by continuing to pray. And I'm sure and trust and ride. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. 
But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The easier, softer way to live is to let go. Once you make the choice to hand over all of your problems to God, you'll come to relish the rest that comes with surrender, because holding on burns energy. Oh, indeed it does. One of the first things that uh, I had to learn when I was taking some horseback riding lessons a few years ago, uh, Lisa, was you can't just grip the reins and just be stiff about it. You've got to hold the reins lightly. Is that right? That is right, yes. So yes. I learned you, something. You did learn something. You did, Unless you've got a horse that's really spirited and going out of control, you're going to have to tighten up. Well, I, I had, you, you know, I've had three daughters, and each one of them I had to handle the reins a little differently. There you go. Right. <laughs> and that is the way. That is true. I think that's the art of parenting that you figured out because every child is different, and you can't always parent them the same way. That's right. But I think you're right. If if in your life you, you're you're on your horse, so to speak, you, you may not have a horse, but you're. This is the imagery. You're on a horse, and uh, you see everything that's going on around you. Uh, it's very troubling. You're afraid your horse is going to get skittish. He's going to be scared off this way and scared off that way because you yourself are scared to death about what's going on. And so you hold on tighter and tighter and tighter. The problem is the tighter you hold on, the worse it gets, the more you're expending energy, and it's not helping. It's actually destroying your ability to have control because you can't micromanage the horse. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And that's when you translate that to life, that's when I think people turn to maladaptive coping mechanisms, Mm. such as alcohol, drugs, pornography. They want these escapes that are going to take them away from trying to hold on too tight and they're not getting what they want or things aren't going the way they want it to go. And it becomes this battle of wills against, you know, mountains that you just can't move. All right. So you yourself got caught in uh, the vice grip of alcohol, trying to cope, uh, trying to hold on to the reins. And it didn't help much, did it? No, it does not. And there seems to be a common thread in a lot of us that turn to these mountains at one time is this idea that we are going to control the uncontrollable. It's a delusion is what it is. It's just not possible. We cannot control other people. We cannot control these big happenings. But people make futile attempts every day to try to do that, and then they get frustrated. And then, you know, they find these ways to cope that aren't always healthy. And that's where I think if we work on our spiritual interior lives more the need to control becomes less and less and less. It gets to where you don't want to do that because it's not peaceful. It's very stressful. And how did you but, how did you find uh, deliverance from uh, alcohol? And and how old I, were you at that point? 
I was 29 when I quit drinking. Uh-huh. And I went to a 12-step program, and that really brought me back to the Jesus is what it did, because mm-hmm. like I said, I grew up Catholic, but there was a period of about 10 years where I was church hopping and didn't know if I even wanted to go to church anymore, that kind of thing. And then I ended up, you know, back to the child God of my childhood, and I'm back in the Catholic Church, but um, in, in a very different way, because there's things about all religions that I think men just make up. And I think, you know, I found God in AA, to be honest with you, because you have a collection of people, like they say in the big book, that would normally not mix. So everything from the street people to judges, literally, that is the gamut of, and I love that, I still love that I can rub elbows with people from all walks of life, because Mm -hmm. I've learned so much from the most unlikely places, and you see it as, as you see humanity, and I feel like it's church the way God wanted it to be, where there's love, there's acceptance, yet there's a common goal of we mm-hmm. can live better, God wants us to be better and do better. Well, James writes about that, not to look down our noses at people who don't come in with the best attire and so on, and uh, so... I'm I'm curious. Did I hear you say that you were in your 80s? No, 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 no. Oh my God, no! Well, I, I didn't think so. In my no, my goodness. Oh my gosh, no! I got sober in my late 20s. No, I know, I know, but I mean but now. Currently, no, I'm nowhere near 80. Well, good. I didn't think so. Oh gosh, no. So are you no, still riding? Are you still riding your high horse? I mean, yes, are you still riding horses? I am. I was just in Montana in August, and, uh-huh. went and we would, you know, ride for five hours to go fix fence and check on a calf that had a broken leg. And uh-huh. I love it. I just absolutely love it. So I'm going to keep riding. Well, maybe if I live till 80, I hope I'm still riding. <laughs> I, I wonder, I could, how did I miss yeah. something here? What? No, you didn't miss something <laughs> Okay. No, I apologize with the coughing and this cold or whatever I've got working. Maybe it sounded, but no, I'm nowhere. Well, anywhere. it's happening everywhere. It's 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 happening everywhere. Just like fear and anxiety is happening everywhere. And one of the reasons why I thought it was important to uh, bring you on the program, Lisa, concerning your book "Pray, Trust, and Ride," uh, is because first of all, the things that we do here on this program are often very intense. And uh, people are prone to be fearful and so on. And that's not what God wants us to do. We don't bring those things, those issues on this program for people to fear. We're supposed to fear God. We're not supposed to fear men. We're not supposed to fear circumstances. We're supposed to cast our care. And that's really what what you're writing about here is it's a metaphor. In riding a horse, you let loose of the reins so that the horse can uh, can can do what he's supposed to do. You have to let loose of the reins in your own life so that God can do with and for you what uh, he is supposed to do, and then you do what he wants you to do. I, I like love and quote regularly uh, in our prayers together, my wife and I in the morning, uh, quoting the Apostle Paul where he says um, that I'm confident 
that God is working in and through us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, the question is, are you confident of that? If you're not confident of that, you're holding onto the reins too tightly. You think right. you're in control. You say you want God to be in control, but you're in control. And that's a problem, isn't it? It is a problem because our, we do have limited vision. I mean, remember that song that Garth Brooks, that the big hit about some of the best things are unanswered prayer. Mm-hmm. Because God knows what's best for us, and we don't. I mean, if, I think everybody can look back over their lives and go, oh, thank goodness that didn't work out the way I wanted it to, that God had something a lot better in mind. Or, you know, I think we all have those experiences. But here again, human nature is that we want what we want, and we don't know what's always what's best for us. I think we gravitate to what is familiar as opposed to what is good for us. And so some of the things that are good for us create a lot of discomfort, like change. And people don't gravitate to change, even though it might be good for them to change their habits and eat better or exercise or not smoke or not drink or whatever. Making those big lifestyle changes are not easy because they're uncomfortable. And they take a lot of effort. So uh, Jehoshaphat was faced, as a godly king, he was faced with this incredible army. Some might say, well, why would God allow such an army to come against a godly king? Well, uh, he did, over and over again. Maybe it was a test. You can't have a testimony without a test. And so uh, Jehoshaphat was being tested, and that test now, and how he handled that test, has become uh, a memorable uh, account for all humankind since then, that when you're faced with such a monumental assault, where can you turn? He turned to the Lord. That was the only thing he could do. There was no way other than that that he could turn. And he said, okay, we're going to pray. And then we're going to worship. And so they began to worship. It's It's a pretty amazing story. And God did, through that, what they could not do. We need to do what we can, but we need to trust God to do what we can't. Right, right. And and that is, I, I think that summarizes life in so many ways. There's just a lot of situations that are bigger than we are. And we've got to let go and let God and do the best we can with it and make, like I said earlier, the best decisions that we can. But we don't always know how things are going to work out. And I love in the prayer of Jehoshaphat where he says, Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand is power and might, and no one can withstand you. And I love that prayer. So when I feel fearful, I love reading this prayer. And mm-hmm. it's just a reminder that he is the God over the, the earth, the heavens, and, and earth is his domain, and there is nothing too big for him. Well, Lisa, I suspect that you could do a, uh, go through and read your book once a month and uh, encourage yourself by what you yourself have written. 
<laughs> I'll have to think about doing that. Well, yeah, and uh, uh, you say turn to God and choose peace. Remember, the only thing that stands between peace and turmoil is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. That is an incredible statement. It pierces through where we all live, and we all have to deal with this issue of whether we will surrender, whether we're going to let loose of the lane, uh, reins. And I'll tell you, uh, let me give you an, an application here as we wrap up. When I sit before our listeners here on this program, many people think, boy, you must spend eight hours a day just scripting and preparing and doing all of this. No, I don't. I do prepare. I know how to ride. But I can't handle every eventuality. And there are often times, often times, Lisa, not when I have an interview like this, but otherwise, three times a week at least, when I come before our listeners, and it might be a half an hour before uh, the program, it might be five minutes before the program, I said, Lord, now what? What do you want to communicate to your people? And what do I need to hear? And what's amazing is that when I let go of the reins, which I had to learn many years ago, it's amazing what God will do, and he never fails. Never, ever fails. And oftentimes, the rides that we have here on the air, the programs that we do when I didn't know exactly how to proceed, those sometimes become the very best programs that people respond to. It's unbelievable. So there's so many ways. Lisa, can you, uh, your husband is a lawyer. How long has he been practicing? Oh, my gosh, almost. 400 years? Yeah, almost 40 years. 40 years, okay. Does it seem strange to you that some lawyer here would be uh, uh, talking about spiritual things like this and be called to leave the practice of law? I mean, is that what lawyers well, are seen to do? I, I think just leaving, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the whole, not so much that you're talking about it, but that you left to do something else, I think is truly God told you. Well, thank you. I, uh, My wife and I are thoroughly convinced that that is true. I trust that our listeners are as well. 27 and a half years on the air here, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home. Our good friend Lisa Boucher here, Pray, Trust, and Ride. $15 will put her book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-US. You want to be encouraged, by the way? Get a hold of this book, whether or not you have a horse, whether or not you love horse. It doesn't matter. It's applicable for all of us. $15 on our website, saveus.org. God bless, be a blessing, and let's trust the Lord with all our hearts. Surrender, my friends, surrender. Surrender. 